on Before the Bestseller, we talk with our favorite authors about the books they wrote and the stories behind how those books made it big. I'm your host, Alex Straffy, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Lydie Klotz is a professor at the University of Virginia with appointments in engineering, architecture, and business, and he studies the science of design. He brings all of these aspects together in his latest book, Subtract, with a quote by Adam Grant basically saying, everyone must read this book. He's secured over $10 million in competitive funding to support this new area of research. And basically, the whole point is that oftentimes when we try to solve problems, we look at adding, when in reality, oftentimes some of the best solutions will actually come from subtracting. You can use this in everything from a design of a memorial to your work and subtracting the complexity of your organization to allow for more efficiency. So in this episode, we talk about his research and the book Subtract. Welcome, Lydie Klotz. Lydie, thanks so much for being on. It's a pleasure, Alex. Thanks for having me. We are going to talk a lot about subtraction, which is obviously the title of uh, this wonderful book that we have right here. And then we're going to talk about how you've moved so many copies, but every author gets this first question. Uh, I'm sure you're ready for it. A childhood story that made you who you are today. Uh, I would say, um, I mean, this could be any kind of, uh, any kind of, failure but the like uh we i played a lot of soccer growing up in my junior year in high school we had a really good team we won a lot of games we were like one game away from the the big game of the season which you would get we'd get to play in the the dome in syracuse new york which like houses and it's where we went to watch basketball and football games and like if you won that game you played the high school championship on that field and so we're playing in the game before that and we're ahead we got ahead four to one. It was a super windy day. Um, and we had the wind in the first half and went ahead four to one. I had a hat trick. Um, I, like it was, it was just awesome. And, uh, and then we lost in the second half five to four. <laughs> and so we just like completely blew it. I mean, just completely blew it. And then, you know, the season's over, you don't achieve that goal. And, um, I had this quote that, um, I think our coach gave to us after that game, or maybe just to me, but it was like life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. And I think that was like a lesson that I learned in soccer and, you know, obviously in school and in a lot of other different ways. But I think that's still a, a thing that I really um, uh, try to keep myth with me today. And I realize that there's a lot of, I mean, that's kind of a, I think that those percentages are right for like a, a white male who's born pretty affluent in the, in the United States that you can control like 90% of it. But, um, I feel like that's, that's something that's helped make me who I am today. And the next year we made it to that, that championship game and won, and, uh, and then we lost in the, in the final of the, the state championship. But anyway, so it, it, it kept going. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Yeah, soccer seems to have taught you a lot. I know you also have a great uh, use case of uh, a soccer game. That's, I was wondering if you're going to bring uh, talk about that in the book about subtraction uh, that ends up really helping you guys advance too later on. Uh, before we get there, though, 
What's it uh, what's it going to be like for Ezra when he grows up and finds out he was just one big science experiment? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's eight now. So my son Ezra in the book and he um, he's uh, he's pretty smart. I think I mean, he likes it and he's like he compares his level of fame with his friend's level of fame. Like so they'll be like he'll be like, I'm in a book and his friend will be like, well, <laughs> like you know, so and so looked at my TikTok video Um I try not to, I try to, I guess the way that I try to hedge against him feeling like he's in a science experiment is to keep him as involved as possible. And kids are smart. Like they understand what's going on. And um, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully it doesn't have any detrimental long-term <laughs> effects. I figure we can also use it on his college applications, right? You can put like <laughs> contributed to a a science book um you kind of frame it in a way that makes it look like it's something that he did something that he did yeah well you had me at legos uh in this book you know a huge lego fanatic myself uh tell us about when did you start to come up with this idea of the usefulness or um you know the it it being just a, a concept that's underutilized in our society yeah um and i mean like a lot of your listeners and you, right. I've always been interested in like, how do you streamline things? Why don't we do this more? What, you know, how can we take things away from our physical environments, from our social lives, um, from our, the thoughts that are in our head. And then, you know, the thing that really crystallized it from a idea standpoint, which helped with the research and also helped with the writing of the book was playing Legos with Ezra. And we're basically making a bridge and it was his Duplo blocks and, um, the problem we had was that we didn't have a level bridge. And so one of the support columns was longer than the other support column. I went to fix this by adding a block to the shorter column. But before I could do that, Ezra had removed a block from the longer column. And I was like, holy cow, you know, that's it. That's the thing that I'm interested in is why when we're trying to make something better, and in this case, it was something trivial. It's just a Lego bridge, but it also um is the same thing that we do in our day-to-day lives all the time which is like how do we take our calendar and make it better how do we take our business and make it better how do we take this these words on a page and make them better and our first why is it that our first instinct is like hey what what can we add and you know it's not necessarily a problem to think that we have a lot of first instincts and they generally steer us well but it is a problem if i didn't have ezra there and i added and moved on and never even considered whether taking away was an option. This is like arguably half the ways, you know, half of our options I'm not even thinking about. So um, that's how kind of Legos inspired the the research and then the um, the writing that, that led to the book. Why do we focus on adding so much instead of subtracting? I think there are a lot of reasons for any behavior like that, right? And, it, you know, you, you go to evolutionary reasons and cultural reasons and socioeconomic reasons, you know, so all of those things combine together to make us focus on adding. I think one key thing is that it does seem to be that we, it's like a cognitive shortcut that when, when we don't have um, that our default mode of operation is to think about adding first, we use adding as a substitute for thinking. Um, So that fact that it's like, a cognitive shortcut is one reason it's not necessarily that we're thinking about both of the options and then choosing against adding it's that we're not or choosing against subtracting it's that we're not even thinking about subtracting and then as you like like think through some of the evolutionary and 
cultural reasons. I mean, evolutionarily, you've got, okay, acquiring stuff has been good for survival, right? If you've stockpiled food, that's helped you pass down your genes to future generations. Um, also, you know, this displaying competence, right? And this is a story that I tell a lot, but it's a good story. I mean, the the famous example is um, bowerbirds. These are the birds that build ceremonial nests, right? So the male bird builds a nest, the female bird goes and looks at the nests and then um, decides which male to mate with based on which nest they like best. And then the female bird goes and builds a nest to raise the young. So the whole purpose of the first <laughs> nest is just to show that the male can effectively interact with its world. And that that notion of competence has since been extended to task completion too, right? So when I'm going to a faculty meeting, uh, I'm displaying competence through my task completion, even if it's not uh, not necessarily aligned with <laughs> with my goals for like what I want to accomplish that day. And th so those are biological reasons. I think culturally, the the interesting one is just how tied in adding is with civilization, right? When you don't have highways, when you don't have an organization, when you don't have a bridge, uh, adding is really the the only option or the best option to make things better. And a lot of these like kind of opportunities that we have to take things away are relatively new, right? I mean, you have to build the organization before you think about streamlining it. You have to overload your schedule before you think about taking things away. Um, so I think that's, you know, kind of the, the cultural history. And then of course, you know, the kind of social pressures and even economic pressures to, to add more things layer on top of that and all of those kind of reinforce each other and we get this situation where we're a little bit more likely to add than we are to subtract and that kind of spirals out of control until we're not even thinking about it just to you know we're up in the up in the clouds right now talking about yeah. the theory sort of behind things to bring things down you know to the ground levels so people can kind of understand and start to see how they apply this to their lives one really good example that you talked about in the book was the Lexington project, uh, where the designer or the uh, architect came in and did some things to the city, and it was more so subtraction than addition, and that was the solution. Could you talk a little bit about, you know, what the, just that example so that people can kind of get a better feel for what you're talking about with the subtraction? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a grand physical example, right? And um, so Kate Orff is the designer, and she basically revealed a city that had been buried, or revealed a stream that had been buried underneath Lexington. And this is happening everywhere. Um, there are uh, several on the campus at the University of Virginia that you daylight the stream, and it makes everything around it nicer and fundamentally what you're doing from a building standpoint is getting rid of, of concrete. I think one of the cool lessons from that project, you know, so one of the tensions you have when you subtract to make something better is that people are like, well, why am I paying Kate Orr for the, the designer to take things away? Um, right. It doesn't seem as, yeah. And, and also like, how is this adding value? And so she doesn't actually use Hey, I'm obviously she doesn't market what she's doing is, Hey, I'm coming in and taking away stuff from your city. She's talking about cleaning and carving and revealing. She basically on her plan, she has four different words that are like in the biggest font and bold to dis describe what's happening. And all of those words could be synonyms for subtract, but all of them have like a positive valence to them. Whereas subtract has a, like kind of a negative connotation that goes along with it. Yeah, really good marketing on her part. <laughs> yeah, really smart. It was funny too because I sent her an email. She's a UVA alum, and uh, and I had a student in my class at the time went through her book, Kate Orff's book, and like 
check all the times that she was using subtract versus like synonyms for subtract that were more positive. And, you know, so then we emailed because we had this running debate. It's like, okay, is she doing this intentionally or is she just like, she's like flipped it in her mind, right? She's she's just to her, it's a clean and a carve and not a subtraction. And we sent her an email and she had this super coy response that's like, I like to think of design as what's there plus a unit of transformation. Um, and so she still didn't answer the question, but it's, you know, it's a great way to think about design. It's like plus a unit of transformation and that transformation could be an addition, but it could also be a subtraction. Yeah. Yeah. She's uh she's a good marketer, it sounds like. Uh yes. so how can people begin to see how they would apply this to their life and their work? I mean, I think the fundamental thing here is like, hey, we're systematically overlooking an option, right? And anytime you're overlooking something, just listening to this podcast can be helpful, right? It's like, okay, now I'm gonna think about that a little bit more. And um the book, you know, hopefully helps rearrange people's mental furniture to think about it a little bit more. But you can't just rely on, okay, now that I've listened to this, I'm going to think about it in the context. And so I think any time that you can build it into your process, right? You're thinking about it now. How can you set up your processes to force yourself not to not to forget it in the future? So just like a really simple example is when I um set I try to do this weekly but you know thinking about what I want to accomplish this week right and you've got your to do's and uh also when you're doing that can you think about stop doings right so this is forcing you to not just think about stuff you can add to your calendar but keeping it in balance like what are the things that that you can take away and um and then you've got a process where you're less far less likely to overlook subtraction and if you think about a stop doing and then you're like well i don't want to stop doing that great that's that's <laughs> that, at least you thought about it um so that's a small example of how to build it into your process but i think you know grander examples one of the one of the areas that's exploded right is just the amount of rules and red tape whether it's the mm. federal government or an organization and yeah. um so you could say okay anytime you know we we have departments in academia it's like anytime somebody comes and says here's a new policy we should have for our department it's like great what are two policies that are already on the books that you think we could get rid of right so you're just keeping the keeping the system in balance, forcing yourself to build it into the process, because we know that there's going to be a million suggestions for additions and nobody ever looks at the stuff that's already on the books and what can be taken away. Um, so those are two examples, I think, of just kind of building these reminders into your process. And then hopefully the people who are listening can think about what are the important decisions that they make and how can you force uh, consideration of subtraction when you're making those decisions. To dive deeper into one of those examples, I know you talk about how Obama told the EPA, like, cut out some stuff oh, yeah, yeah. that's going to save some money. Would you mind talking about that example? Uh, I think that might just help us sort of get a better idea of what you mean by subtraction when it comes to regulation. Yeah, he issued an executive order. And I think um, I don't have the exact wording, uh, but I'll try to paraphrase. I mean, it was basically to look at... Um, challenged all the federal agencies to look at their rules and how they could be changed to be more effective or less burdensome right so the cool thing about that executive order was that you know it's easy to say hey everybody look at your stuff and make it better but he you know explicitly called out 
less burdensome, right? Like, hey, here you could subtract things too here. And you know, one of the one of the things that came about that made it into a State of the Union address was there the EPA had you know there was a rule on the books. It wasn't ever intended to be used this way, but it basically made it so that milk spills from a dairy farm were kind of in the same category as a oil spill from that farm. And um, so it, it resulted in a lot of money being spent, like kind of over treating these milk spills. And so Obama the tune had, of, from what you mentioned to the tune of like $10,000 <laughs> for like a farmer to like prove this prove per it. farmer. Yeah. I mean, it was like a billion, you know, I think on the order of billions of dollars when you scaled it up. Um, so, so yeah, just by removing that that burden, um, huge savings, and fundamentally, it's a subtraction. It's like, hey, we don't need to, we don't need to require this. Yeah, yeah, and it started making me think about even in my own organization. Oftentimes, yeah, there's like, oh, let's add in, you know, this weekly report. And I guess one example was, right. I guess this is more of a stop doing than you know subtraction, but it, you know, it was it ended up I added it and then very quickly, I guess, subtracted it was, you know, this month, this weekly report that I wanted from my team about, you know, all of our accounts or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it turns out it was just totally not, you know, efficient. It really just took more time to develop and uh, then to actually, you know, really solve the problems itself. And, um, you know, this actually reminds me of another example you, you talked about, which is your internship with the uh the building firm uh, or yeah, yeah. kind of managing uh you know a bunch of different things and you know the uh managing the you know the building materials and then your your boss uh, didn't even use any of it because he just has like a you know a written you know piece yeah. of paper you know i guess to kind of dive deeper into like the business side you know and, and really applicable side uh applicable to that yeah tell us about kind of that experience and i guess what subtraction looked like there yeah, that's a cool um, illustration of like kind of, uh, you know, there are a lot of details in all these things that we're dealing with in the real world, right? I'm sure there were things on that report that you wouldn't have known if you didn't look at the report. But um, so my experience wasn't my internship. I was it was like a full time job. I was like working on these construction projects and a new hire and like as a my job was basically to coordinate all the materials coming onto the site. So you're building a new school, you've got all these things that need to get there. Everything that every like every doorknob that needs to come to the site has to get specified by the architect, you know, three bids and approved. And then like it shows up and then you like look and see that the doorknob actually looks like what. So there's just all this stuff going on. And um, you know, I had a list of these submittals is what they're called. And I think it ended up at the end of the project had like a thousand things on it. Um, and I'd be looking at that all day, every day, kind of tracking things and, oh no, the doorknobs are late. And then I go out and talk to the superintendent in the field and he'd been, you know, doing this for 20 years and he had like his I remember it very vividly. He had like just like a notebook in his pocket, crumpled up in his jeans pocket that had like five things on it that were like, these are the critical path things. Because he knew from his experience that it's like, yeah, great. The doorknobs are going to get here, but that's not going to affect the school being built, right? He had the big things on there like structural steel and, you know, the mechanical equipment. And, you know, he was very focused on those. So I think it's cool illustration because it's not that you can't, I couldn't have done that, right? I couldn't have come in and said, okay, I'm just going to focus on five things because I don't know what the five things are. You kind of have to embrace all that complexity first, and then you have to strip it away and say, 
look, I, we know it's there, but we got to focus on these things. And that sounds like it's kind of what you did with the reports, right? It's like, hey, there's these details and it would be cool to know these details. And then you realize, hey, yeah, they're there, but everyone it's, down. Yeah. it's going to distract focus from what really matters. And there's a trade-off there, right? It's like, we aren't, we don't have infinite amount of time and processing ability to consider every detail. So we need to help ourselves focus. Yeah. And, um, you know, the final thing I, I want to talk to you about that you wrote about in the book, and, you know, this isn't like a climate change podcast or anything like that, right? It's right. about, you know, helping people, you know, improve their lives and, you know, improving using the concepts that our, our authors have written about to come on. Um, but I, I, because of this does make up such a big portion of the book, I don't want to, you know, uh, not bring it up. So, uh, and also I thought the Lorax was a, a phenomenal movie uh, as well, but yeah, t- talk to us yeah. about, you know, how on the grander scheme, subtraction can help us with the climate crisis. Yeah, I think all these like environmental problems, climate, and, you know, the fundamental thing that's happening there is that, you know, where there are, we're on a finite planet, and we're, you know, over, over consuming or overusing whatever you want to call it um, on that planet. And so to the extent that there's like, kind of a fundamental mindset that is contributing to that, this idea that, oh, adding is the only way that we can make things better really holds us back. And like to tie it into climate, for example, it's like we often think, okay, let's build a net zero energy building, right? And that's awesome. Do good job building a building that doesn't use any any that uses doesn't use any more energy than it produces. But you haven't done a single thing to address the issue with climate, right? The issue with climate is that we're already above the parts per million that way above the parts per million that scientists know is safe to be there. And so we've got to figure out a way to kind of not just slow down the rate at which we're producing CO2, but reduce the rate at which we're producing CO2 and pull CO2 out of the atmosphere. And I'm not like a gung-ho climate engineering person, but I think for a long time, we haven't even been thinking about that as one of the, one of the ways to, to move the needle here. And, um, And then it's funny when you even get into the climate engineering solutions. And again, I think all of these things should be evaluated on their main, um, you know, evaluated scientifically. But some of the main solutions are like, hey, let's shoot some mirrors up into space and reflect the sunlight back. And you're like, that's such an additive solution for, (laughs) you know, the problem is there's too much carbon. Can we suck some of it out? And, um, you know, it's like using the same mindset and, uh, and it, it also you're you're you know the with when it gets this is a little in the clouds literally but when it gets to these climate systems it's like the problem is that we've thrown this system out of balance unintentionally for the most part like yeah maybe we've known about it um for a while but it's not like anybody set out to ruin the climate and uh and then so it's like it's a complex system if you have and it's unpredictable and we've unintentionally messed it up by intervening. So like, what do you think is going to happen when you shoot mirrors up into space? Now we're <laughs> yeah. intentionally messing with this system that like, we don't really understand that well. Um, and again, all these things should be evaluated scientifically, sure. but it's just like this, this whole principle, it, it's uh, subtracting has a benefit there, right? Because if you pull things out of the system that we've put there, 
you're going back to a state that we understand better, right? We know more what a 350 parts per million climate operates like than we do a 550 parts per million climate operates like. So um, I think, you know, just in principle for these environmental issues, climate change included, you know, subtraction is uh, a, a really good option and it's really, um, you know, overlooking it has has helped contribute to these problems. Yeah, I, I, that was such a funny example to me. Yeah, you talk about all the different, you know, it's like we're going, we're trying so hard, you know, to to develop all these new and innovative <laughs> solutions by like you know airplanes that fly, you know, and, then move the yeah. and or putting yeah. iron in the ocean. I think was another one. And it's like, yeah, yeah, iron in the ocean. <laughs> Let's fill yeah. the whole ocean with iron. Like and we have can... no idea what like that just adds the complexity. So anyway, I, I thought that was really I, I wanted to cover that obviously because it is so applicable to that. Um, and yeah, this is this has been so uh, insightful into you know, even myself, as I look at my schedule for the week, or just, you know, when I whenever I think about adding complexity to the system, you know, it really is just a good reminder to focus on the uh, underutilized potential of subtraction. So thank you so much for coming on uh, and talking about that. Of course, thanks for having me. I appreciate you bringing you did a really good job of kind of hitting the key points from the book. So I appreciate that. Well, there's a bunch more I want to talk about. Uh, obviously, you know, in, in 20, 30 minutes, we don't have time to talk about everything. But um, if people are more interested in the topic and uh, and want to hear some of the, the other great examples that you have in there, you know, we didn't even get to touch on, you know, even the beginning of the book, which I thought was such a good one about the uh, highway removal in San Francisco uh, or, you know, the highway removal in uh, South Korea, you know, a lot of other really good examples. So check out Subtract by Lady Clothes. Uh, you get it on uh, Amazon and then uh, Lady will actually be coming on again uh, next week to talk about how he so successfully marketed his book because it is moving copies. And obviously, uh, for those who are sitting at home and have their own ideas that they want to get out into the world, uh, this is how to do it. So thank you and looking forward to having you back on. Thanks, Alex. Looking forward to it as well. Thank you for listening. I know there's many other things you could have been doing during this time, and I hope you found this episode incredibly useful for you and your journey. And if you did, or if you have any feedback, I would love to hear that in a review on Apple. That would be fantastic or anywhere else that you are listening to this show. So thank you. And if you're the type of listener that is also an author or looking to be an author soon, feel free to email me at alex at advancedamazonads.com. That's alex at advancedamazonads.com. And I'll add you to our weekly newsletter where I send out all of the best marketing tips I've ever heard from authors that I've had on this show and many of the authors that we work with. So I look forward to hearing from you if that's something you'd find useful. And either way, I look forward to having you back for our next episode.